हेलो एवरीवन एंड वेलकम टू अवंतिका डिजाइनरिंग सीरीज और एडीएस एस वी लाइक टू कॉल इट एवरी वीक ऑन वेडनेसडे वी फीचर डिजाइन एंड टेक्नोलॉजी लीडर्स हु शेयर दर प्रोफेशनल जर्नी दर थॉट्स ऑन दर डोमेन ऑफ वर्क एंड डिजाइनरिंग वेर द वर्ल्ड ऑफ डिजाइन एंड इंजीनियरिंग मीट मेक श्योर यू फॉलोअर्स ऑन सोशल मीडिया इंस्टाग्राम लिंकड इन फेसबुक एंड ट्विटर एंड विद दैट लेट्स कंटिन्यू विद योर शो Being consumer-centric is hardly enough these days. To truly be successful, you need to nurture a customer-obsessed, working backward culture within your organization. The working backwards approach is about genuinely putting the customers first, starting with the desired end result in mind, and then figuring it out how to get there. It identifies the compelling vision which aligns with customer outcomes. and results in a successful product as rightly mentioned by scott galloway consumers want less choice but instead confidence in the fewer choices presented to them and that's why in this episode we interact with biju damodaran head of design at amazon india consumer business he has spent over a decade and a half designing and leading design teams that have crafted user experience design for online communication products enterprise business applications network management products and online products for small businesses and that's why on our journey of discovering designering we talked to him about delivering customer centric experiences hello beju welcome to avantika designering podcast series it's an honor to host you on our show today Thank you, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. So, Biju, as a part of ice breaking in our conversation, my first question to you is that the ability to critique and identify good design is always essential. And by developing your taste and ability to identify strengths and weaknesses in design, you end up setting a high bar for your work. My question is, how do you develop an eye for design? Uh, an eye for good design is super critical. Uh, that too, an eye that can go beyond the surface is very important. On the surface, what you see is the UI, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? There's a plenty that lies below, like who are your users, what's the context of usage, did you get the needs and the problems of the users right, etc. Getting your users problem right in itself is half the job done, and that's something which is always overlooked. Secondly, you also need to start meeting your users and validate. And we always say this at Amazon that you're not going to create great designs by just sitting in your office studio. You need to get out and observe what works and what doesn't work. when your users use your product and that's how you develop deep insights learnings and a great eye for good design wow that's that's interesting and really well expressed in fact uh, you know one of the other things that we've also been intrigued about with you is you've spent a decade and a half designing and leading design teams i i wish to know that some some of the most important things 
that you've learned during this journey uh, while managing all of this? So there are four key things, if I have to look back and share, that I learned about leading design and design teams. Uh, First is your ability to scale and leverage matters a lot. Like how we take a lot of care on how our designs should scale as an individual and as a team, it's really important to scale. Then the question comes like, how do you scale? You can scale through people by leveraging each other's strengths and time. You can scale through efficient processes and you can also scale and be super productive by leveraging appropriate technologies. Now, the second aspect is your ability to think big, and this is really important. Are you able to look beyond the short-term constraints and create a future vision? And in our case, a new compelling future experience. Are you able to communicate that vision in a compelling way and inspire people to act? And at Amazon, we say that thinking small is not an option, especially if you want to create a world-class products or a world-class design. So what is good today is not good enough for tomorrow. The third aspect is your ability to influence, especially without authority. Increasingly, what we are seeing is we are working in distributed teams with no real influence or authority. So if you want to deliver results, you need to start influencing people, which is very, very important. So you use user insights, data, trend analysis, and other influencing levers, which are extremely important. And your ability to deeply listen, willingness to learn and be curious, and earning trust is key for influencing without authority. And the last one, but never the least, is your ability to hire and develop the best. How do you find the best talent in the, in the, in the industry? Once you find them, how do you develop them or how do you bring the best of of, you know those people who hire will be key for your success and this is what some important things i've learned in my past experience wow this is supremely inspiring especially the point about thinking big and um, i completely resonate even with the last one um, in terms of you know uh, always attracting uh, good people to be associated with. In fact, um, I personally always believe that the success of the organization depends on the quality of the people who are associated with it. And um, yeah, we we see the kind of success that Amazon has made in the last couple of years and completely has these amazing people uh, backing it up. So my next question to you, Biju is about the fact that you went on to study Bachelor of Science in Physics to becoming the Senior Manager, User Experience Design and Research. How did this transition happen from the world of physics to the world of design? How how did this journey actually uh, turn around? Yeah, so it's all started with the fascination for internet, right? Like when the first time when I saw uh, the internet, um, um, in what it can do and the endless possibilities. Uh, I think it was in 2000, uh, early 2000. 
uh, I knew that I wanted to be part of this revolution, right? Then I did web development and also web designing and got my first job as a junior designer and a HTML prototyper uh, you know, in, those in those times in uh, early 2000. Uh, then there was no looking back. Uh, but now when I look back, it's a very fascinating journey on how the internet landscape unfolded in India and how my career evolved through it. And I was really fortunate enough to work with some of the best designers and learn from them and also work for some organizations like Zoho, Yahoo, and Amazon. Yes, it's a very interesting journey, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Wow, interesting. And and how did the journey in terms of multiple companies that you've been associated with that happen? How uh, can you can you take us through your entire journey? Uh, we've seen you moving right from uh, you know uh, a small enterprise called as Third Agenda Net Solutions to Zoho, Cognizant, Yahoo, and then Amazon. How how did learnings at each of these organizations shape you to be where you are today? Yeah, I think the, the most important thing is that each organizations which I worked were all unique, right? Third Agenda was a um, uh, internet uh, service provider and also uh, providing uh, websites and portal solutions because it was set up in early uh, 2000 and I think it was also started in late uh, 90s. Um, so I got a chance to learn the basics about web design and web development over there. Then I moved to uh, a company called Advanet, which is now Zoho, where um, we learned a lot about enterprise um, uh, designing. And also uh, it was an early stage where there's a lot of web apps which was developed. And then uh, was a very brief um, stint with Cognizant. And then I moved to Yahoo where we really learned how to design for internet. And it was a huge uh, uh, organization at that time with great designers in India as well as you know uh, in San Francisco. Uh, so it was a huge learning. And at Amazon, um, you know, my journey was quite fulfilling because that's where you um, get to work with some of the great minds in the industry. Yeah, so it was a very unique but uh, very enriching uh, learning experience. Super. And when you quote uh, Amazon and your, uh, you know, the the entire point on working with great quality of people uh, around you. In fact, as head of design, your work goes beyond designing and, and, and it goes to leading teams. And when it comes to building teams, one of the important factors that bind everyone together is culture, which is supremely essential. In fact, uh, you know, design culture is building a system where design can actually thrive. The question that I have is, how's the design culture at Amazon? Yeah, fortunately at Amazon, we have a culture of customer obsession. Just to clarify, we call our users as customers. We are aware of technology and external trends and about our competitors, but we only obsess about our customers. There's also a process called uh, working customer backwards, 
which the entire company follows, where we start uh, with writing down who are the customers, what are the customer problems, what is the most important customer benefits, and how do you know them, etc. So if you look at this more deeply, this is just like a user-centered design process, which is putting your users first and in the center. Since the entire organization follows this to the core, as a designer or a design team, this becomes extremely easy for us. So Amazon is so successful as a company because of its strong customer obsession culture, and I believe any organization or a designer or a design team to be successful should have this culture of customer obsession. So another strong aspect which we have within the team is being a very strong vocal customer advocate. So we ensure the entire organization understands our customers. We take them to the field. We make them observe customers using our products. We play those video day in and day out with our stakeholders so that they really immerse and understand the customer perspective. We're also super vocal about our customer problems and push everyone in the organization to fix problems for our customers. In fact, we run a program where we measure and report uh, how well we are doing it uh, you know, and how many issues are being fixed. And uh, the team doesn't rest until we reach a very high bar in terms of closing those customer problems. So being fiercely customer obsessed and being this strong advocate is the culture we follow at Amazon. You know, uh, Biju, I'm quite uh, curious about this one element in, in, in the answer that you just uh, shared. A lot of companies go out there and claim about being customer-centered and um, uh, you know, they do multiple things in terms of ensuring uh, that they engage with their customers positively and do multiple things. The the curious question that I had is, what is it that Amazon does different in, you know, while it says that it is customer-centered? And the second question is, is there any, uh, any incidents, any anecdote, any uh, anything that you could share which actually differentiates this culture uh, from all the other companies that claim to follow similar culture? Yeah, I think the the we, we follow, it's not just about saying uh, we are obsessed with customers, but there is actually a process of product uh, development, product design, and you know, way to go about multiple other things in the organization. So it's called the working customer backwards. I briefly touched upon in my previous uh, answer as well, right? So anything we do at Amazon starts with answering five important questions, right? Who are your customers? Uh, what are the problems or the opportunities? Um, what's the most important customer benefit? Is it clear? And how do you know that? And what's the customer experience looks like? And this is something which each and every people who are involved in the product design and development needs to answer as the first step, right? And this is integrated into our uh, 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 product development process itself. 
Uh, and unless you answer this, you're not going to move forward, which means you need to really know who are your customers, what are the problems, and how you're solving those problems. Um, so once you know that, then you start the design and you start the development, right? So it's a truly customer-obsessed where you are thinking hard and focusing on those problems and issues before and before even getting started on something. So that's something which I haven't seen anywhere in any other organization as tightly intervened into the process itself. Biju, you know, as designers and something that has been spoken about on internet recently a lot is we continually balance the impact of the cognitive burden on customers while designing user interfaces and flows. The question that I have is, what is the process that is followed at Amazon to reduce the cognitive burden on the customers? I would say there's no shortcut here. You might uh, end up iterating multiple times, validate with users and do a lot of A-B testing to find out what works and what doesn't. Like for example, uh, Amazon has cracked and found out how to reduce cognitive burden through a very long experimental process, I would say for, you know, for many years. I can give you a small example of a product detail page, right? If you are looking for a product, you either find them on the on the landing page or through search, you click on it and you land to a product detail page. Now, if you look carefully, you will find the most important information required to take a buying decision is given within the uh, viewport, if you're using it on a mobile, uh, about the buy button. All the rest you will find only below when you scroll, right? Like for example, uh, the images of the product, the price, colors, so different sizes, delivery information and offers are given upfront. While the detailed product attributes, the technicality, the extensive customer reviews, the different bundles and similar products are given way below. So at least from an Amazon perspective, this is a painstaking effort of grouping, moving things around and experimenting to find out what works. Um, so you need to come up with hypotheses and redesigns through uh, design principles. You can apply various design principles, but you need to go through the process of experimentation and that's how you learn and reduce cognitive load. Hey, do you know Amazon has a building named after its first customer, John Wainwright, who on April 3rd, 1995, much before the site opened to the general public, purchased a book called Fluid Concepts and Creative Analogies, Computer Models of the Fundamental Mechanisms of Thought by Douglas Hofstadter for $27.95. Interesting. And in fact, while we've been talking about Amazon, uh, you know, moving to the world of e-commerce, uh, the e-commerce apps are one of the top four most frequently served apps on a customer's device. Almost every smartphone owner uses mobile apps for purchases. Could you, uh, Biju, share the difference between the user experience of the Amazon app and the uh 
Amazon website from a design perspective? I mean, why is the mobile app more engaging and generating better leads than the website? Yeah. So it's a no-brainer that uh, mobile phones are much affordable than laptops and desktops. I mean, if you look at last five years, the smartphones have become even more affordable, which has led to almost all our Amazon customers are buying from mobile apps. Now our entire focus is completely on mobile app design and less on you know, the website. Now, besides affordability, Accessibility is another key reason why it's often used. Like it's always with you, even if you have few minutes, all you need is just few taps away. Like you can do shopping, you can send money, you can book tickets, play games, or you know, watch movies. Now the third aspect, along with affordability and accessibility, is the simplicity of the mobile apps. Right, as a designer, the mobile form factor poses a significant space constraint when you compare with the desktop. And in fact, when we did this transition at Amazon, I believe in 2014 and 15, um, where we used to think mobile design in addition to the desktop, but then we pivoted completely to mobile first and, and to an extent mobile only. Uh, so you need to think hard. You need to invent and simplify on every aspect, whether it's about UI patterns or what components to use that meets the small screen constraints or how to simplify the information, how to make it sharper and precise, which meets the screen constraints. You're always looking to simplify. And this is a big win for our customers because they get the best simplified experience than the desktop because there's no natural constraint. So I would say it is quite natural uh, that it becomes much more engaging and better converting. And I think that's the reason why it's the most of the mobile apps are so easy to use. Interesting. So while you were talking about uh, you know booking tickets, making purchases, one of the things uh, that I could, you know, think about is the customers actually emotionally connecting. In fact, every decision we make in life has an emotional reason, whether it's to feel about ourselves, feel part of community, feel loved or just safe. Many brands adapt to the strategy of emotional landing pages. My question is, what are some of the strategies that one uses to understand the emotional side of the customers. See, first you need to understand what your brand stands for and weave that into your experience. Um, uh, for example, it could be all about trust. And we looked at the customer obsession at Amazon earlier, but uh, how to gain and keep up customers' trust could be the most important thing. And we faced this during 2013 and 14 um, for Amazon in India. So understanding your brand traits and what it stands for is the first important step in choosing the right strategy. Now, after you choose that, it's about how to weave that in your experience. Um, you know, at Amazon, uh, from a design side, we did a lot of initiatives to communicate our trust levers 
or markers to our customers explicitly in our UI. We have to run this for many years to gain the trust of our customers and make them comfortable that you know, they can spend money on our uh, app, buy products without even seeing and touching them. And that was a big challenge. Uh, even today on the detail page, you will find trust icons like seven days replacement, Amazon delivered, one year warranty, etc., so that um, they can trust us and put their money and they show that they will get the product which they've ordered for. But it's not just about communicating to your customers, right? It's also about walking the talk. You need to ensure your order is processed on time, payment works well, deliveries on time, your returns and replacements, if there are any, works well, your customer support works well, you need to get the entire ecosystem working well for your customers to gain the trust. So it's a complex task, but when you make it happen, it's very rewarding. And you try to give your customers a really good experience, uh, which will sort of make them to come back again. Interesting. In fact, um, uh, I I hadn't uh, heard of some of those uh, interesting terminologies uh, earlier. And from the mobile phone conversation, also I wanted uh, to you know talk about a question on the website part of it. So when users navigate on Amazon, the design is one of the first things that they take in. Whether they are conscious of it or not, users judge a website within the first few seconds of landing on it. And you know then probably we decide if uh, we will stay on the website or click on another and so on and so forth. Those initial moments are very critical to a website's success. The question that I have for you, Biju, as a designer, what are the fundamental principles of design that one should use while building a website? Got it. So um, you need to answer a few simple questions, right? Or I would say two simple questions where you need to help your users find answers for. Uh, first one is what they can do once they land on your website or an app and how can they do it? And I believe the most important question of why they should do it is already answered because they're already in your site, right? If it's an app, they would have already downloaded it. So that why part is already answered. Now, uh, you should also have a track as part of your design to look at the new user experience and how to onboard a new users or customers. And I believe that most of the organization, they do do that. And this is very important aspect and you cannot have a one size fit all design. Now let's come to the what part, right? So you need to simply tell the users precisely what all they can do or maybe what's the first thing they have to do to get started as soon as they land. Uh, if I have to look for an example from Amazon, we have something called a hero tater or a hero banner which rotates automatically as soon as you land on the app, which tells you in a nutshell what all that you can do, what all is available on Amazon, including 
why they should do and the value proposition right i mean you can just quickly glance through it and get a feel of it now coming to the how part right how how do i do this right how do i navigate uh, how do i find things we as designers strive hard to reduce the learning curve by using the patterns that are already uh, uh, popular or uh, users are familiar and that's been widely used in the industry so that it's obvious for the users without much learning but we use we also use techniques like shopping aids or uh, cues to educate first time users on how to use our app but it's also worthwhile to dive deep and figure out whether as a designer you want to strip down your entire app to a minimum set of things for the first time users because the first time users are not going to use all the features that you're going to throw at them right they come they start small and then you can progressively add things and that's something i would urge most of the designers to think hard and experiment that whether you want to give all the features that you have at the one go or start small and progressively reveal your features interesting and in fact while on this i have another um, question on 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 the website and 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 the belief system so no matter how much technology advances the triggers behind human behavior remain the same uh, with the right planning websites can actually use psychology to increase conversions and improve their bottom line now in other words most responses and actions of customers are fed by their subconscious mind the question that i have for you biju is do you agree with this and how do you see designing addressing this belief okay this is a very important question and a, a sensitive one as well so i'll use this opportunity to recommend a book called uh, hooked by neer iyal uh this book is about the strategy to keep your users hooked to your product engaged and coming back to the product making it a habit and doing it without even thinking so the author talks about four stages of uh keeping consumers hooked to the product and he calls it hook cycle like trigger action reward and investment and i would highly recommend that you know uh designers should read uh the book and understand how that framework works i can just briefly talk about it the first one is trigger is about getting the user to the product which can be done in two ways external like ads or email invite or internal when a user comes to the product organically the later is a stronger trigger as this proven uh, to be better for user retention but using both triggers works uh, really well the second part is the action the point of the trigger is to get the customer to a reward something that surges a bit of dopamine the action shows as a reward and how to obtain it for example posting a photo that will get likes those likes are the reward right the action has to be simple as possible to use so that there is no obstacles for the reward and the next one is the most important thing is the reward this is actual reward after the user makes the action such as likes on a post or receiving a funny image it essentially boils down on two aspects either an entertaining or a useful reward 
the differentiated aspect of this stage is the variable part of the reward the reward can't be predictable the user shouldn't anticipate what is coming right so that makes it much more interesting so if the identical result happens every single time the experience becomes repetitive and monotonous and the user will get bored and ultimately lose interest and the last part is the investment where making a user invest in the product not necessarily with the money but with the time now i'll come to the most important thing right uh, as a designer we should be responsible enough to design an experience which is not only rewarding and habitual but should also be meaningful the products we design should deliver a strong value for our users or customers and not just something people get hooked mindlessly so i think there is a uh, responsibility on the designer's side to think about how to make the experience meaningful and valuable for the customers and uh, think deeply about uh, not getting users or people get hooked mindlessly i'm repeating this because i think this is very important as we also look at the value based design uh, um, you know in the future hey do you know since you can buy pretty much anything on amazon it's worth mentioning the items you cannot buy directly on the website a full size home cars cigarettes and live animals are some of the things you might have to leave your house to purchase super i and i definitely agree to the fact that it's a very interesting book and all of us uh, you know uh, whether in the world of design marketing uh, it's a must read book very very uh, interesting so moving from there uh, biju to you know a common mistake that designers make uh, which is focusing on one concept design too early and rushing to get them into detailed concept design obviously as a result of doing this uh, the designers end up creating solutions that are not important for the end users the question that i have for you is what are some of the ways designers could improve the efficiency and more importantly the integrity of the designed concepts got it i think one thing i think i briefly touched upon this uh, as part of my earlier answer which is the working backwards uh, one thing i found extremely useful at amazon where we don't rush into uh, things or rush into concepts and later find that that doesn't work and avoid churning is actually there is a writing culture at amazon and it's 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 absolutely unique because when i joined amazon um, i had a bit of experience working with multiple companies and i have never seen such writing culture where people actually write down answers for certain questions on customer value problems opportunities and who are the customers so they actually write a press release and people who are uh, listening to this uh podcast should go and google working customer backwards at amazon there's a plen- plenty of uh, articles written and videos on this it'll be quite an interesting watch so 
product managers and designers actually write down what is the value and also try and visualize what is the customer experience at a very high conceptual level and then leaders stakeholders designers and the product managers spend time um, iterating on this and spending more time on this to get it right so that they can avoid a lot of churn down the line because the cost of churning down the line it's so huge that it's it has a it it has a huge impact so getting things right early converging on the right solution it's very important and luckily we have that process at amazon and while we talk about e-commerce design uh you know apps and website one of the things that we cannot ignore is the world of technology there's a lot of discussion going on about data driven design that is using analytics to make design decisions in fact we have started to lose sight of something we once cherished which was the designer's instinct completely what are your views on this and do you think data is blocking out other methods of design decision making yeah it's a very interesting question i strongly believe instinct is developed from your past experience um learnings failures looking at similar data and going through a similar situations right and your instinct is mostly right as it's based on a huge accumulated experience so when you make a decision you need to consider all the levers available like if you have some data to look at it that's perfect you need to consider that just going with only your instinct doesn't make sense at least for me you're leaving out valuable data on the table unused only in the case where there is a conflict between your instinct and the data you need to figure out what to do right i mean that's when you seek feedback from others you validate with customers you go and talk to your design peers and leaders and validate their point of view so interestingly at amazon we have something called leaders are right a lot which means when you have no data to look at and there is a strong need to make a decision leaders go with their judgment and often they are right and there's a point that they have to be right so it's not enough to go with your instinct but you need to start developing right instinct which will work and that comes through learnings and experience and this is a widely celebrated leadership quality especially at the top so there's always a place for instinct especially when you are a pioneer and there's no past data to look at it but having the right instinct and judgment is the key so i think we all need to strive hard to acquire that quality interesting and that bijou brings us to our last question at avantika university we coined this term called as designering which is the blended approach of design and engineering the question is that in our conversation for all the questions today that we were discussing technology was right at the heart of it do you think both these worlds both these thought processes converge on one page and do you think this philosophy is relevant definitely uh, a designer should know the medium really well you know for a painter a good understanding of the canvas and the paint is really important 
same with a sculptor. So I've read how great designers also had a lab next to their studio. Because without understanding the medium and the things they work with, they won't be able to create great designs. So in the digital world, the medium for designers, you know, is the technology. So unless you understand the technology really well, you won't be able to create great designs. And also in order to push the boundaries, you need to know where the boundaries are. And um, rapid prototyping is an essential part of the digital world now. And you cannot achieve this without understanding the technology. So in my opinion, it should converge on one page. Super. Thank you so much, Biju, for doing this, sharing your thoughts with us on our show today. I'm sure that there's a lot of learning for our uh, listeners with this episode. And uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for giving the opportunity. I thoroughly enjoyed the questions and it was a great experience. Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate avantika.edu.in. We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hubhopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.